Hi everyone, welcome to the Slice of Life podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're Novia and Joel, your hosts for today from Project Happy Apples, a palliative care project based at NUS Medicine, aiming to spark conversations about death and promote how palliative care, a team-based approach, can improve the quality of life of patients with a life-limiting illness. Today, we're joined by two special guests from Outram Community Hospital, Trisha, who's an occupational therapist, and Sandy, a medical social worker. Stay tuned as we speak to them about their roles caring for palliative care patients, lessons they learn from patients, Trisha's legacy project, helping patients leave a legacy for their loved ones, and how their unique experiences have shaped them to become the people they are today. To start off, we would like to ask Sandy and Trisha, could you tell us a bit more about yourselves? And thank you so much both for joining us today. Maybe Sandy can start us off. Thank you for the invitation from Happy Apples. My name is Sandy. I'm a social worker. I've been in social work for two decades and about seven years in palliative care. Sounds good. What about Trisha? My name is Trisha. I'm the occupational therapist. Uh, I've been in the occupational therapist for about 10 years plus, only in palliative care for about three years. Hope to share some of my experience in health with you guys. Thank you. Mm. So maybe um, you all can tell us a bit more about what made you become, you know, a social worker or an OT. What's the journey that led you here? And um, um, tell us more about that. Maybe Sandy can start. Um, I didn't choose to become a social worker because uh, I want to do pal care. I chose a career in social work because of my family's experience in looking after my late grandmother. She had a stroke. I wanted to actually be a bridge between the services available and allowing patients and families that may not be aware about community service to be in touch with help and support networks when their loved ones have got illness or they actually need care. And I think that's the main reason why I went to NUS and do a social work degree and then subsequently stay in the job for this two decades. But then my entry to healthcare was a little bit more coincidental. At a point of time when I joined my previous workplace, there was an available slot for a social worker in the healthcare unit and that's how I started and I think what attracts me to continue to work in healthcare is because of the whole person approach so the philosophy of care in the palliative care community is really to serve the patient as a whole person and besides looking after the patient the patient is also seen in context of his family his social network his um, whole personal social spiritual environment as a person and I think that is very in line with the training and the philosophy of care of social work. And that's why I felt that my values and beliefs can be totally in sync with the care in this discipline. So that's how I stayed on for these eight years. Mm, thank you so much for your really meaningful sharing. Um, I just have an add-on question. Since you mentioned about the spiritual care aspect of palliative care, maybe can you elaborate um, a bit more about how that really impacts the patient's care? You know, oftentimes we think about spiritual care in terms of religion. Yeah, but spirituality is really more than that. There's a lot of debate about what spirituality comprises of in our line of work. We do experience a lot of people that uh, do not have religion, but they are very spiritual where they seek meaning in their life experiences. They have a lot of values and beliefs that guides them in the way they relate with people, with themselves, and even with the environment. Yeah, and that points to looking at the personhood of a person. Yeah, so what makes you you and what makes me me? And I think that when we care for patients, um, when we talk about spirituality, how people are connected, connected within themselves, with others and with 
um, the wider environment, I find that that makes our work very meaningful. And I think how people leave a legacy behind for uh, people after them, uh, people that survive their time on earth, <laughs> you know, that makes our work um, meaningful because whatever we do, uh, the work continues in the heart and the lives of their loved ones, their friends. Yeah. And I think that Trisha is also doing um, work in that sense through her OT, her legacy uh, projects with many of her patients, you know, leaving behind memos, keepsakes. And we find that this is something that um, keeps us going in terms of caring for patients in a spiritual manner. So it's not just about religion, but it's really about who the patient is and how we relate to them as individuals. Thank you so much, Sandy. That's really insightful. I actually never thought about, um, I guess, the spiritual aspect of care outside of just religion. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Trisha, maybe you can tell us a bit more about um, your motivations behind joining an, a career as an occupational therapist. So how I became an OT um, is quite similar to uh, Sandy. Like it didn't start off as because of palliative care. Uh, actually, I was interested in working with children. So actually, I was actually in pediatric setting after I graduated uh, before going to a community hospital to work with the geriatric. Even in, in the geriatric setting, I also wasn't in the palliative care. It was the hospital wanted to like start to set up a PAL uh, services. So that's where I get into it. And then I realized that actually PAL care, their principle is very similar to what an OT is, what an occupational therapist is, is that they focus on holistic care. So they look at the person uh, itself. We, as an OT, we look at uh, the person itself. We will actually ask them, what do they hope to achieve um, despite the condition that they are facing? And it's very similar to palliative care. It's also asking them, what do they hope to achieve? So it kind of like complement each other. Um, and that's how OT actually helped in palliative care. Um, and you can also share with us a bit more about your legacy project. So how uh, legacy come about as we built like rapport with the patient, right? So we actually found that, you know, the patient uh, actually enjoyed doing certain things, like for example, cooking. She uh, used to be a housewife and then she used to cook a lot of nice dishes for her children. And then she realized that let's say when she go off, she wouldn't have anyone to pass down the recipe. So that's how the legacy came about, whereby we will actually sit down almost every day when she's able to tolerate sitting to write out her recipe book, all the dishes that her children like. And then this book will actually be given to the children so that they can actually like refer how to do the recipe, how to do the cooking, and then like recreate the dish again when, when she's not around. I think your legacy project that you described must be really meaningful for the patients and their family, you know, to have something to remember the patient by after their family member has passed on. I was just wondering, because, you know, given COVID, right, it must be a bit difficult to carry out such projects. So how have you addressed it in this period? Actually, we still can able to achieve it uh, in the sense that uh, the family might not be able to spend like a lot of time in the hospital as compared to previously. We also will inform the patient, like, I'll put the, this product at your drawer. So, like, when the family comes easy, you can give it to them, you can show them. We will still continue the same. It's just that relatives might not be able to participate together with it. Mm-hmm. That can still be very meaningful even in this period, and I'm really glad to hear that. So, I think you both mentioned something about, you know, going to palliative care wasn't something that 
you started off doing in your career? What motivates you exactly to work with palliative care patients? Like why this group? Because um, I think some people would think that, you know, wouldn't it be more satisfying to see your patients actually getting better at the end? Yeah, so just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. No matter how small the achievement that they are able to do, uh, being happy for that achievement is uh, actually a big thing for the therapist already. So just to be able to walk to the toilet, for example, to just brush the teeth, even though like this person can be like very, very breathless, and this person, he managed to do it, will actually make you feel uh, fulfilled. At least he won't feel like he cannot do at all. It's just that he needs time and he needs to do it in a different way. I mean, when I observe all this, right, tell me that I shouldn't like take things for granted, that even a small little thing in my life um, that I achieve is quite meaningful already. And also in the rehab setting, therapists and the patient will actually be, their mindset is to make sure they are able to go home, make sure they are able to achieve certain things. But then for palliative, we can actually slow down and really be together with the patient to really achieve exactly what they want. So actually, this allowed me to slow down and actually make me reflect a bit more as compared to being in a rehab setting that I will tend to need to rush and not actually reflect on myself and on the patient. Hmm, I think that's a really good point, actually. Like, I guess palliative care patients, caring for them give you a bit more time. And you mentioned that you can actually develop quite a long-term relationship with them to really understand their needs and you know, reflect on what they want to achieve at the end of the session. That's really inspiring to hear. What about Sandy? I think whatever Trisha shared, it resonates with me. And we often look at life as achievements, milestones, and it's quite similar in palliative care. Uh, but I think what keeps me going working with my patients in the pal care setting is because every day is a reminder about how beautiful life can be. So as Trisha mentioned about appreciating the little things in life, being able to eat well, sleep well, move your bowels properly, you know, but these are really blessings in life that every day our patients remind us to really appreciate this about ourselves and also for us to work with them to enable them to do this in as comfortable and in a most dignified manner as possible. And I guess it makes this caregiving relationship a two-way thing because it's not just us serving them and providing care our patients become our teachers. So we gain that constant learning from them on how to care. And our patients teach us the beauty and the significance of life itself that keeps us going in working in a pal care team. Since, since we're on the topic of patients being our teachers, Sandy, can you give us a specific example of maybe what you have learned from this one patient that really inspired you to be grateful of things in life that you haven't thought about before? Um, let me share with you Madam A. So Madam A, she is somebody that is what we call a lifelong learner. I met her when she was in the 80s. During her last three months of her life, she was then in the inpatient hospice. During her stay, she taught us how to make pineapple tarts and sushi rolls. So the OT was the team that got her to do all this. I was part of it because I helped to gather the recipe and buy the ingredients. I had really fond memories because by talking about her philosophy behind pineapple tarts, right? She's the kind that doesn't have an oven when she was young. So guess what? How do you make pineapple tarts with an oven, right? So she said, be creative lah. Use whatever you have. So I asked her, what do you have that can bake cookies? She said, girl, um, how does the oven work? Is a heated container and using heat to heat up the food to bake it until it is roast. So the old-fashioned way to roast pork and ducks is using the charcoal at the bottom and then you've got the huge tall container but I don't have because I'm so poor so I use a big biscuit tin the Pongguan biscuit tin wow 
So if you do have a biscuit tin, make the best use of it. She said, you can learn as long as you are alive and you're willing to, you can learn. She started swimming at 65. And at age 80, she swimmed 20 laps a day. And during her, her last weeks of her life, she was still walking and trying to wash her stomach back on her own every day. And I think what impact she loves in my heart is really, you know, you're never too old to learn and do the best that you can with whatever lives offer. People like her, among all my patients, really influence me and challenge me to rethink about life and how I live my life. That's such a touching sharing. Thank you so much. Honestly, I feel like we complain so much, you know, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that. But stories like this really tells us that you know, you don't really need much to achieve what you want to do. You can, you can literally just bake pineapple tarts without an oven. Apparently that's possible. So we can definitely make do with what we have and, you know, sit down and reflect a bit more rather than complaining. And especially when, you know, there's so many people who are having such bigger struggles than us and they can still have such a positive attitude going through life. And that's really something that we cannot take away from. So I was also wondering from working in palliative care and with these patients, how has your view on palliative care itself changed versus before working here? You know, when I first came to palliative care, I was expecting my patients to pass away maybe within the next three months. But over time, I realized that with good care, right, with good nursing care, with rehab, um, with good medical care, many of my patients, I think a good 25%, do outlive the prognosis that the doctors have. So my view about healthcare from dying to living, that shifted. So healthcare is really not about serving the soon-to-die patients. It's really about helping patients that has got a life-limiting illness to find meaningful living every day of their lives because we don't know when life will end. And none of us will know and it could happen to any one of us. But I think that shift in my perspective about healthcare is really about learning how to make the best of life every single day and that's my perspective now. And oftentimes when I see my patients, it's like the doctor tell me I've got three months, then I will say, sorry to all the doctors that are listening. You know, sometimes the doctors are not quite accurate and they just give you an estimate. Yeah, it's really for us to work together to see how we can make use of your days with us. And if we do have a longer runway, then let's make the best use of it. That has been my shift over these years that I've worked with PEL patients. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. What about Trisha? Mine is a bit... Uh... I would say funny in the way that when I first get into palliative, right, it's actually my senior actually told me say that oh palliative care have dementia uh, patient because I actually wanted to work more in with dementia patient. That's my perspective at the time. And also at that time, palliative care means like uh, the patient will pass on. Like my parents, when I tell them, they were like, Oh, why you want to work with people who are dying? Like, not so nice to work with like that. So, but when I went into it, then I realized that actually it's not true that within that few months of stay here, the patient will pass on. They actually do get to go home, do spend time at home with the family and continue to do whatever they hope to able to achieve. And I think that's even like when they went back home, I do have patients who went back home and then sometimes they will come and visit uh, us in the hospital. I mean, like before COVID, we sometimes see them at the uh, food court downstairs and then they will come and say hi for their medical appointment so this made me change my thinking that actually we should really treasure the time that we have right now and that patient able to go home and do whatever they can do right now yeah thank you so much for those very deep insights i feel like we learned a lot from you i just want to ask another question so which is has the emotional aspect of your work ever taken a toll in your personal life as a volunteer at a hospital before i actually did feel like a bit sad and I was a bit emotionally affected when I saw my, my patients who were 
uh, going through a lot and, and suffering a lot as well. So I was wondering if the emotional aspect has ever like affected you guys before. Joel, I really appreciate your honesty. And I think that it's really normal for us to feel for our patients. And I think that having emotions shows that we're really connected with them. And I can share with you that even right now, after these years, I am still affected. But I guess how I have many ways to cope with my own emotions, but it takes time to practice learning to get in touch with ourselves. I learn how to get in touch with how I feel and having people to talk to about my emotions and also learning to take time out in between seeing patients so that I can be present and be there for each of the sessions that I'm with my patients. But I would agree with you that impact of work on us is real. And I remember a term that somebody told me that our work is emotional label. I think it's a very nice um, word to use. So you can feel emotionally tired and drained after working with um, specific patients that you felt so invested in and certain things could have turned out the way that you may have may not have expected it. Definitely it does affect me and it's an ongoing process. But I think it's a worthy job to press on. Oh, thank you so much for sharing, Sandy. Trisha, you shared about your legacy project also just now, right? About how you communicated with the patients. And has there ever been any like emotional difficulties that you have faced doing this legacy project? Because I know it must not have been easy trying to collate their last memories together. Some of them, we are unable to like, uh, able to make conversation. They might actually decline to see you. So like in order to build that rapport, it's already one of the difficulties. So every day, like, we will just uh, come and say hi. Even it's just to just say hi, and then the person acknowledge, and then you can go off. It's fine for us. And one day, the person actually will just come and, like, decided to make small chat with you. So once you have that rapport, right, you can actually start to find out, like, what are the things that we can actually do for the legacy. Then there's a next a difficulty will be more of uh, how long the person can endure or tolerate in sitting to do the task. So like, for example, the recipe book, right? So this patient, um, she has difficulty um, sitting for long and she also cannot really like tell you all the recipe all in one go, like how we will normally be able to. So we had to break the session into small parts, like maybe 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how she is. We can sometimes like do two times a day, depending on how she feels. And if not, it would be like 15 minutes every day. Mm, yeah, that's, that's so meaningful and I'm so happy that you guys are doing this legacy project thing. I really hope that we'll like, continue to keep going on. And I think just another question that I have would be, uh, this will probably be the hardest question that I'll ask, but <laughs> could you all describe like pediatric care in one word? And why would you describe it as such? Maybe Sandy can go first. Maybe I would use the metaphor of like water. Why is it water? Is because, you know, water is present everywhere. It could be in the air. It could be in a form of a liquid or it can be solid. Um, but without it, we all die. And we are all connected as living beings through it. Health care is a type of care that reminds me of water because it is a type of discipline in medicine that kind of supports other disciplines. So it like maybe running at the background, if you have got a certain... Maybe surgery, they may get healthcare to come and uh, support in terms of pain for very, very sick patients that maybe they are doing some kind of um, surgery to just tahan first and then subsequently the patients may go to a hospice. Then healthcare comes first at the background, then coming in at the foreground. But no matter what, it is a discipline that is very fluid, a discipline that 
fits in almost everywhere, um, but yet is an essential discipline that serves the care needs of human beings that is pulling us back to the essence of life, which is like water. Lah. So that's my own thought about it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Cindy. That was really, really beautiful. Shisha, uh, would you like to share about yours? Uh, I'm thinking more of uh, as a holistic it's because uh, we actually really look at the person holistically and really follow what is it that they really want to achieve. And that's like actually the core principle of what occupational therapist is. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it really sums up like a lot of the aspects of palliative care as well. I think there's like so much um, information about like palliative care going on right now. And uh, some people are still very reluctant to accept palliative care or even think about preparing for the death of their loved one or like for themselves. So what will you say to them? <laughs> okay. Today we mentioned a few times, healthcare doesn't mean that you're going to pass away really soon. Really, healthcare is about helping people to live life to their fullest. Yeah, so it could be through medically, um, some medicine for symptom control. And then for social side, community services, other creative ways to work around things so that life can go on as best as it can possibly get. So I, I think the misconception of health is that once I see the palliative doctor, I'm going to die soon. May or may not be true. And how fast is it? We have seen patients that continue to live even after a year and they continue to stay pretty well. And But we also have patients that pass away really fast and we have arrived at a point where we all come to a conclusion that being served by the pal care team doesn't mean that life is going to end like the next day but it's really about allowing us to come alongside with you to find what is most meaningful for you right now and let us work together to help you achieve that and it's not just for yourself but also for your family oh thank you so much for that i think a lot of people are really going to get a deeper view of like what palliative care is so Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Trisha. See you guys. Bye.